Hello and welcome to the Women in Sport podcast brought to you by CSM Live. On this month's episode, we're going to be taking a special look at the 100, which makes its debut this month at the Oval on 21st of July, as the Manchester Originals will take on the Oval Invincibles with the women's competition kicking off the whole event this summer. Very unique competition because it's going to have men's and women's teams playing side by side for equal prize money in order to showcase just how unique and how important and impactful this competition could be. We're going to be we're going to be chatting to a number of people who have had a part to play in its creation. We're going to be hearing from Beth Barrett Wild, who is in charge of the Women's 100. We're also going to be talking to Claire Connor, who looks after women and girls cricket for the ECB. And we're also going to be hearing from Mark Chapman, who's not only a trustee of women in sport, but he's also the chair of the Manchester Originals team. And of course, we're going to be hearing from some players, Sophia Dunkley and Alice Davidson-Richards, who will both be taking part in the inaugural edition of the 100 and we're going to be chatting to them about the potential impact this could have on women and girls cricket and also their careers so make sure you stay tuned for what's set to be a great event this summer So we're very excited to be joined by Claire Connor from the ECB as part of our 100 podcast. And Claire obviously plays a very important role as head of women and girls cricket and looks uh, looks after everything, I guess, um, uh, in what we've been covering. So Claire, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here. Thank you. Um, we're very excited to chat to you. But I also wanted to first reflect on the past year, because well, over a year really, because obviously... It was a really difficult one for women's cricket, cricket as a whole, and postponing the hundred was it was it was a big part of that. But how have you been dealing with the past year, and then looking towards sort of recovering now with everything that's going on? Yeah, I mean, it's you're right. It was uh, you know it was it was such a blow in terms of uh, you know the timing of halting you know the majority of the well, certainly the first two-thirds really of, of the cricket season um I think uh you know I, th- I think at the, you know you look back on it and at the time you know we were everyone was in I suppose such a state of shock um at what was happening and you know there was so much sort of suffering and um and tragedy around us and um and, and a lot of adrenaline as well really because you know we were all confronting something uh, weren't we in all our different roles across different sectors that we'd never confronted before and and therefore it was uh you know there was there was no roadmap there was no blueprint for for any of us um i think you know obviously the early decision the the decision to postpone the hundred was taken really early and i think as a kind of certainly as a leadership team at the ecb that gave you know that was a good early decision and it was just then about okay um how do we get on how do we get international cricket on and and you know i said publicly at the time that women's cricket would have to be patient um because the you know the financial imperative in um delivering men's international cricket had to be the priority in terms of securing um uh, our broadcast revenues and other revenues and and that you know were we to fail to do that we would be you know, the whole game uh, could be in, in real tatters, whether that's, you know, the women's game or the men's domestic game or the recreational game. So, we, you know, we had to play a bit of a waiting game. 
Um, you know, we've waited a long time for the hundred, and so huge excitement now that um, you know we're able to we're able we're, you know we're, we're so close to that now. But for, for England women's cricket and the recreational game, it was a matter of being really patient, um, and certainly as well the launch of our new professional domestic um, structure and the the inaugural Rachel Hayhoe Flint uh, trophy um, last year and all of that you know really that all came at once in kind of late 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 August through to early October we went really late in the season um, and we were able to get the West Indies women over on a charter flight our, our, our plans changed you know it was a case of you know having multiple plans and having to be really agile and decide quite late what was what was going to be possible so we had lots of international teams that weren't viable to come, India and South Africa. Um, and we were very grateful to the West Indies, um, you know, that they, you know, they were coming into a very, uh, you know, certainly a very turbulent country, weren't they, in terms of COVID um, and, and the, 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 uh, the kind of the height of the summer. Um, it, it was great that they pulled out all the stops to come. And so, at least we finished last summer. The women's game, I think, finished on a real high. We had Women's Big Cricket Month. We had the series against the West Indies with some record viewing figures on the BBC um, and on Sky. I think everyone was so desperate for some live sport, live women's sport by then as well. Um, and um, yeah, as I say, the Rachel Hayo Flint Trophy got underway and we were able to announce retainer contracts for, for 40 um, domestic female players. Um, and so there was some there was some good momentum, I suppose, as we left last summer. And you touched on the contracts there, which for lots of people probably who don't follow a lot of women's cricket might not realise how important and game changing the amount of contracts that were offered is for women's cricket. Can you explain how important that's going to be? Yes, I mean, it's um, it, it should be a game changer. And in fact, we're already starting to see some really kind of tangible performance benefits from having those 40 players or 41 extra players um, who've now been training full time for nearly a year um, since those retainer contracts started. They're now on full time professional contracts with 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 one of eight regional teams. Um, I think the reason, Flo, that they're so important is that they regardless of the quantum, you know, regardless of the, you know, what you pay somebody, and I know this from experience, it, it's the thing that matters is the, the ability to be fairly remunerated, but to be able to focus fully on being a professional athlete, whatever sport that is. Because we've seen for too long in too many women's sports, we've seen athletes having to juggle two, three, four balls, you know, at the time to enable them to, to find some time um, to, to devote themselves to their sports. And, you know, whether that's their skills or their fitness or their mental, the mental side of the game and to, um, to, to be the best that they can be. Um, you know, we sh everyone has the right to, to be the best they can be. And I think these contracts are going to give that next generation of female players that opportunity um, to devote themselves to cricket for, a, for as many years as, you know, as, as they hold on to a contract and to force their way possibly into the, um, into the group of centrally contracted England women's players um, at, at the top end. So, you know, you, you can only win. It, it, those contracts enable your national team to sustain 
winning performances or performing at the highest level and without them really you know as much as having what we've had in the past kind of 18 or so full-time centrally contracted England women's players has been as brilliant as that has been um, and whilst we've seen real gains over the last five or six years since they've been in, in place those contracts it's actually the underpinning structure as we know um, that provides a kind of sustainable flow of talent into that England team or, or national team in, in whatever sport. So I think, you know, we can't underestimate the, the value of those, the, the power of those contracts and the, hopefully the performance benefits for those players and for England and for the whole system. I think as well, we have to acknowledge, and this is also where the 100 comes in, it's, it's about the the fact that those that girls now can dream of uh, and have those dreams the more likely to be uh, to have those to, to realize their dreams of becoming a professional cricketer looking more at the grassroots what is the impact you think the hundred could have on girls cricket and are there any particular targets as well that you in your role have set that you know we want to see x number of girls participating within a certain number of years of this competition running yeah, I mean, to take the first, the, the general, so the general first bit of your question, it's, um, I think it comes back again to this visibility piece. I think that's why it matters so much for girls, uh, for girls to be able to see, um, you know, some of the world's best female cricketers from overseas and from these shores playing in a competition alongside their male counterparts in the same kit, in the same venues, with the same broadcast coverage, with the, you know, the same, pretty much the same everything. Um, the message that that sends to girls is so powerful. I mean, we've, we've been there on, you know, you, without that, you know, you're, when I think back to being a young girl, all my role models, apart from a couple of tennis players, were male. Um, whether, they, whether, whether they were cricketers, male cricketers or rugby players or other athletes, and so we're giving girls, hopefully through the 100, we'll be giving girls that, um, again, that's the, the sense that they can be part of our game. They can be part of our game from a very young age, alongside boys in our national programs, whether that's all stars at the age of five or dynamos at the age of eight. And they can be equally as welcomed into our game through one of those programs in their local communities and they can see um, players, male and female players, playing together in the 100. And that will have a really powerful normalising effect um, in terms of the messages that our sport is sending to girls and boys, boys of a young age who will be seeing that as well. And that can only make for a, a far more inclusive um, environment for, for boys and girls um, in the future. Um, in terms of targets, we haven't set hard targets. I mean, we've got targets around our club growth. So clubs that offer a women's and or a girls section. Uh, we've just reached the 1000 mark um, of, of the number of clubs offering women's and or girls cricket. Um, and we have a target by the end of 2022 to, to make that 1500, which sounds really bold. Um, but those targets are um, set essentially by all of our county boards who oversee women's and girls club cricket and so they are telling us that those are the those are the targets that collectively the game can reach 
um, after two editions of the 100, i.e. 21 and 2021 and 2022, and add in there as well, hopefully a very positive Commonwealth Games halo effect with women's cricket being in, in Birmingham for the first time next summer. Um, and then for girls, I suppose, you know, if you think of younger girls, the target there is that, you know, we're, we're at about, I think we're at about 25% of um, our national programmes. So girls between the age of five and 11, we're at about 25% of total participants being girls. And we see no reason why over, you know, the first few years of the 100, we can't keep increasing that towards 50%. Um, maybe 50% is a step too far, but we're, um, you know, I think we've got to be ambitious because about those young youngsters, because, you know, they are young, they haven't gone through, you know, their difficult teenage years, they haven't gone through all of the um, other barriers, perhaps, um, that, that boys and girls go through when they turn away from sport. And so, you know, as long as we are working really hard to reach um, to reach boys and girls from the age of five through those through all stars and then through dynamos which is specifically linked to the hundred from the age of eight then i see no reason at all why we shouldn't be really bold with our our gender targets there no i think we we certainly we certainly hope you're gonna you're gonna smash those targets thank you so much for your time claire and we're really excited to see the the hundred get underway thank you thanks for your support Beth, great to chat to you. We're at the Oval in the amazing sunshine, 50 days to go until the 100. Obviously, it's really exciting. And I think the women's aspect of that is probably the, the biggest aspect, I think, of the 100 and, and what's caught a lot of people's attention, I think. Um, so in terms of your role, being behind it, the strategic side of it, what's been the most exciting thing for you? Uh, probably the opportunity, actually. I think you've um, touched on it there. The opportunity that the 100 brings for women's cricket in particular is massive. So we talk about the 100 um, being about throwing cricket stores open to more people and in particular families and young people. But from my perspective, from the women's competition, it's all about really turbocharging the profile and really catapulting women's cricket to a bigger and um, wider audience. So I think the opportunity that the 100 brings from that profile perspective is massive. I think there's been a lot of research um, released recently, um, in particular the piece done by the Women's Sport Trust about, um, in partnership with Two Circles, about visibility and how that leads to um, growth. And I think having that visibility and having that profile um, is something that can really accelerate um, the growth of the women's game. So um, I think the opportunity that the 100 brings um, for women and girls cricket in particular is massive. I mean, I was at Lords in 2017 when England won the World Cup and that felt like a really big moment for women's cricket. And perhaps over the last sort of four years, it's not that things haven't necessarily moved, but maybe they've just sort of plateaued a little bit. Do you think this is what's going to kind of push on women's cricket a, a little bit further as well? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think that um, that period since the 2017 Women's World Cup final, I was actually fortunate to work on that as an event. And um, yeah, very um, happy memories of that day. I think... Um, in the period between there, we've gone away, we've written a strategy. So we've got our Transforming Women and Girls Cricket strategy now, which looks at every area of the game. So not just the sort of performance profile area, but also around participation and pathway. Um, so we've got that in place. Um, and we've actually launched our new professional regional domestic structure. So we've got 
41 new professional female players um, at a domestic level in conjunction with our England women's contracts now. So that's probably some of the stuff that happens behind the scenes, actually. It's not those kind of really big visible things. Um, but I think this summer in particular is a massive one for us. I think um, I was looking at the stat the other day, actually. So when I first joined the ECB back in 2014, I was media manager for the England women's team. And um, I was looking back then and the summer schedule that we had then, we had three matches um, that were televised live by Sky Sports that summer. If you fast forward to where we are now, we've got 54 days of live women's cricket across Sky Sports and also coverage on the BBC this summer. So I think in terms of that visibility and growth, we're on an incredible journey there. Um, and I think we've really spent um, the last few years in particular um, laying those really solid foundations. Um, and I think the 100 is the thing now that can hopefully really turbocharge um, those sort of yeah, growth ambitions. Having men's and women's side by side is something we don't see that often, maybe only really in tennis kind of regularly. So how much of an impact do you think that will have on the women's, women's game as well? Uh, I think it'll have a big impact. I think it's all about trying to normalise cricket as a sport for men and women on a shared platform. And I think um, having the male and the female players playing directly on side um, each other and those back-to-back -back match days, I think it just really normalises cricket as a sport for everyone. So um, I'm a mother of a young family, so I've got a little girl and a little boy. And I think what really excites me about the 100 is that I can take them to a match day and they can both be equally inspired to grow up to play for the same team. Um, so I think it's something that um, we're very fortunate actually as a sport to be able to do that, that we can innovate, that we can have um, that gender parity in terms of the presentation on a match day. And on the commercial side as well, the, the equal prize money is something that people have talked about a lot and is fantastic and is, is really unique. But when it comes to the pay side of things, obviously there is there is a difference and there is a gap. But how much do you think sort of setting those standards will, will we then see reflected in the amount of pay that the players are getting paid kind of increase as well? Yeah, I think the, the disparity between the player pay is something that we've always been very open and honest about. We're not trying to shy away from it. We know that there is that gap there. Um, but I think we have to look at yeah this journey that we're on um, with the women's game. And I think actually the 100 can act as part of a solution to closing that gap as quickly as possible. I think in terms of that commercial revenue side of things and using the 100 as a vehicle to really drive that profitability of women's cricket in particular and working with our partners to do that. Um, will hopefully enable us to, to shut that gap as quickly as we can. Um, so that's certainly my ambition. It's something that's very close to my heart. Um, and it's working with partners such as the Professional Cricketers Association, so the PCA, um, to make sure that we can close that gap as quickly as possible. And how difficult is it as well looking at a new competition? Because it's not just new for the women, it's new for the men as well. So everyone is trying to sort of sell this product for the first time. So how difficult is, is that side of things? Um, I don't really see it as a, a difficult challenge. I see it as an opportunity, actually. I think it gives us an opportunity to almost reimagine what cricket is and who it's for. It gives us an opportunity to really um, demonstrate the sport that we want to be, and that is a gender-balanced sport. So I think it's a, it's a blank piece of paper, and I think the way I've been talking about it, actually, is that um, the 100 gives us this unique opportunity to make a second first impression about what cricket is and who it's for. And I think we've found that with partners that we're working with. So we've got um, an array of new partners that are working with us on the 100. And I think that's something that's really excited them, actually, that they can have their influence and input um, into something from the start. Um, so, yeah, I see it as an opportunity rather than a challenge. And finally, obviously, we on the Women's Talk podcast talk a lot about the legacy of these events and its effect on grassroots. And a massive part of this is, is going to be what happens to the professional athletes and the sport as a whole on the elite side. But what do you see the impact being on this for girls wanting to play cricket? And, you know, are there any targets that have been set about the number of girls that the ECB want to see taking up the sport as well? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, tangible link between generating profile at the top and um, increasing participation at the grassroots is really important. And I think we've seen that here today in our 50 days to go celebration with having over 100 Dynamos um, cricket children um, playing on the outfield here. And Dynamos cricket being our new entry level program for eight to 11 year olds. And we had a 50-50 gender split in terms of those participants. So that wouldn't have happened um, even sort of two or three years ago. So that's where we want to be. Um, we're not there yet. Um, I think in terms of targets, um, sort of through our programs such as Dynamos and All Stars Cricket, we want to get to a 50-50 gender split. Um, and I think just having things like the 100, um, it just really normalizes um, women playing cricket. So hopefully young girls in particular, when they flick their telly on um, this summer and, and they're watching a live match on the BBC and they can see women playing um, cricket, it will just make them realize that cricket is a game for them. So we're very excited to be joined for this part of the podcast by Mark Chapman, broadcaster extraordinaire, but also a trustee for women in sport, which is brilliant that we've got his experience with us. So thanks a lot for joining us, Mark. No, thank you very much for, for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great organisation to be involved with uh, so far, but uh, this is my first time on your pod. Yeah, and then I think it's good to have someone with your experience and wisdom on the pod as well. So I can't believe it. I can't believe it took us so long to get a, a pod extraordinaire on the show. Well, that's 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 very kind of you. Experience just means being around for a very long time. I think so, and nobody's ever referred to my wisdom. So, uh, so you've already buttoned me up nicely for this. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Well, um, not only you're a trusted women in sport, but you also actually playing quite a specific role in the 100. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you're involved in this new competition. Uh, yeah, I'm the uh, the chair of uh, of the Manchester Originals, so who are one of the eight new teams that are in this uh, competition, um, uh, playing out of, uh, out of Emirates Old Trafford in Manchester. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a very interesting process over the last couple of years, trying to get our our teams to, together and, and ready to go uh, for this tournament in very, very uh, difficult times, to be honest. You're, you're building something from, from scratch and things are changing constantly because of, obviously, uh, COVID restrictions in the main. But uh, cricket is quite a complex sport on the men's side in particular when it comes to uh, scheduling. So it, is, it has been a, an interesting, interesting process to get to this stage where we are uh, six weeks, seven weeks away from uh, our first game. And what's it been like looking at the women's team specifically? We chatted to a few players and we've chatted to, to people behind the competition. So what's it been like trying to establish this new women's team and, and being a part of that? Um, well, we we go back actually to to even before putting a, a a team together really a women's team together into how you recruit your staff to coach this this uh, women's team in particular because this is a equal tournament where prize money is um the same for both uh, the men and women uh, what isn't the same is uh, the salaries available for players or uh, or coaches and i think in the end 
further down the line, the aim and the hope would be that that becomes equal as well. And I think probably for commercial reasons at the moment, that just hasn't been possible. But even when you're putting your coaches together, you are looking at quite a, a, a difference in, in salary. And you're therefore looking at trying to expand the role to be more than just the women's head coach for three weeks and to try and look at a, a greater involvement in the whole region. So that was one of the things we worked with Lancashire on right at the very start before putting before putting this this team together. Um, putting the team together has been left in the hands of, of the coaches on both sides, on the men's and the women's side. And as, a, as the chair and as the board, you, you let people get on with that. Um, our role as, as then for our, for our women's uh, as, as regards as regards our women's and men's teams is making sure that everything is equal that that is what we're there for as a board to make sure that um, travel is the same hotels are the same dressing rooms are the same uh, practice uh, the availability of practice facilities are the same all things um, that sound um, simple but in the past probably haven't well not probably definitely haven't been in place so that so that's where our i view our role at the moment is making sure that all of those kind of things are in place for for both our men's and our women's teams and actually obviously in the in the in the context of this conversation with you i keep referring to to our men's team and our women's team to 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 explain the situation but we view ourselves as manchester originals with 30 odd players that's that's who we are and we know from from women's football especially that giving the women's teams the same resources helps them grow and win things we've seen that with chelsea arsenal man city mm. so what sort of impact do you think that this the hundred and the way that it's a it's offering equal opportunities for for the men's and women's teams what impact do you think firstly it could have on women's cricket, the sport itself? Well, our, our hope as well in all of this, and, and I've spoken to both Simon Katic, our men's head coach, and I've spoken to Paul Shaw, our, our women's head coach, and they are both very much on board, is that there will be... Um, I want our group of 30 players working together for the three and a half weeks, four weeks that this tournament runs, runs from. And therefore, if a experienced men's international sees something that say one of our 22 year old women's players could improve on i want i want our experienced men's international to be working with our inexperienced women's player that that is how i view it and i'm not just looking at that from a cricket perspective you know i took on board i did some work with uh jody cunningham who's a st helens uh player and they've just won the women's challenge cup and she did some bbc coverage with us and she was talking about a joint training session that St. Helens women's and men's teams had had. And I went, what, really? what, like a joint? And she went, well, th there was no, it was a non-contact session. I was, th I was thinking, oh, well, thank God for that, though, because, I mean, that really is going to another level. She said, but you could work on all sorts of skills together in that session. And therefore, that's, that is a prime example of what I want uh, within our professional context of our men's and women's teams working together. That's one of the big things I'd like to come through over the course of, uh, over the course of this tournament and the practice. And away from the pitch itself, what do you think the impact this competition could, 
could have in terms of growing women's cricket commercially and in terms of media coverage as well? Um, well, I think uh, in the in media coverage, Sky is showing every women's game. So you'll be able to watch every every game of the women's tournament. So I think that's that's the first thing because you can't watch every women's game at the, at the moment in the various competitions. I think, and it sounds a little... A, 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 it's a, again, it sounds a small thing, but I think it will be quite a big thing, which is uh, when our men's and women's team play on the same day, it is just a match day. So it's Manchester Originals match day at Emirates Old Trafford. It's not a double header. It's not the women going first and the men going second. It is match day. Match day starts at 11 and finishes at six. And there you go. And you get two games within your ticket. And I think that's, it's a subtle tweak, but I think hopefully that will that will um, bring it to not differentiate between the two. We're basically saying, here's a day of cricket. Come and watch your Manchester Originals team. Then that's I think that's a big thing. I think by see uh, hopefully by attracting an audience that brings families in and brings girls in, girls will then want to play cricket by by watching this. And already in the local area, I'm seeing an uptake in more girls playing cricket. And the key to the to the the it's not just about more girls wanting to play cricket flow. It's then that they get the opportunities to play, and and by that I mean that clubs don't go, oh, it's our under 13s girls team. We'll put them on the the worst wicket that we've got because it's pointless giving them the the, the better wicket. We'll keep that for our under 17 boys, and that's the effect that we want this to have moving down the pyramid so that the opportunities for a nine-year-old girl wanting to play cricket are the same as a nine-year-old boy wanting to play cricket. I have to say at grassroots level, a lot of the time, and I've been involved in cricket a lot, you know, there are, there are good opportunities for, for, for young girls playing cricket, but quite often they have been part of a boys team and they've got everybody's got on with it and it's been great but but what i want is for for the girls teams to be able to have the same opportunity to access to the facilities that the boys teams have no we certainly we certainly couldn't agree more and we're so excited to see this new competition make its debut this month so thank you so much mark for joining us we really appreciate your time and, and of course uh, and of course just on it making its debut you know the very first game of this tournament is uh, is the Manchester women's team uh, playing at, at the Oval? That is the first game of the hundred, which is brilliant, for, brilliant for us and brilliant for the sport. Yeah, we definitely can't wait. Thank you so much for joining us. And, no problem. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll uh, all be seeing people at, at some of the hundred this summer. Wearing Manchester original shirts, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Hi, I'm Alice Davison-Richards. Hi, I'm Sophia Dunkley. So, guys, 50 days to go, media day. Um, how are you both feeling about the 100? Are you excited? Are you nervous? Sophia? Yeah, I think I'm really looking forward to it now that we've got going a little bit with some of the media stuff and just getting involved, yeah, with the 50 days to go. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to just having some more cast players coming over. Um, I think that's going to really up the standard as well. And I think the fact that it's kind of women and men side by side is really important for us. And yeah, I'm just really looking forward to getting going. Um, similar for me, 
So today we've had all the kids on the outfit at the Oval and for me that's exactly what um, this tournament's partly about is getting the younger kids involved and the next sort of generation involved in it. Um, and especially with the opening game here at the Oval, it's just, yeah, with all the media that's starting to go around, it's really exciting, it's hard to get buzzed. And what's it been like being involved in, in this competition? Because obviously there's been a lot of media around it before it's even started. So how has that compared to other stuff that you've been involved in? Um, so we've had competitions like the Super League where you had a bit of media around it, but nothing on the scale of this. Like it's been so slick. So we had um, media days the other day at Twickenham, which in itself is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, and just all the kit that's been given out. And yeah, it's pretty slick operation, really exciting. And how does it compare to other stuff that you've been involved in? Yeah, I think it's massive, but it's just nice to kind of get that visibility out there and get people seeing it on social media, get people talking about it and get excited for it. And yeah, and I hopefully you can get a few crowds in of people that haven't played, like seen cricket before or played that much, which I think is the really exciting thing about it all. Yeah, and so much of it is about creating that visibility to then get investment that will change those things. So how much do you guys think this co this competition could impact women's cricket in terms of the elite side like how much do you think it could change women's cricket um i think it could be massive i think the last weekend that we had where it was the opening round of the rachel hayhoe flint trophy and we're all playing on better pitches and the scores reflect that and i think if you give the women's game the opportunity to grow i think we'll do exactly that and actually showcase what we can do and it, the women's game will just um come on leaps and bounds yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I agree with Alice. I think, you know, to kind of promote the women's game as much as possible, you know, and give the best facilities, kind of the best things around the team, coaches, world-class players and all that kind of stuff, I think that's when you can really kind of promote the women's game and people can see what the women's game is and how much credibility it deserves to get um, from that. So, yeah, I definitely agree with what Alice said. And we had a lot of young kids and a lot of young girls here today. Um, so how much are you hoping this will also kind of impact the grassroots level, like get girls playing cricket? Because obviously you guys all found the sport, but so many other girls, I mean, girls football is, is massively growing at the moment. So are you hoping this could be a really kind of breakthrough moment for girls cricket as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, playing in the sunshine on the oval outfield is not a bad way to spend a morning. And if that doesn't get you excited about playing cricket, I'm not sure what else is. Maybe move you over to a different ground. Um, but yeah, I think this is such a good way of getting people involved. And how, how did you find uh, cricket? Was it a family thing or what was your journey into the sport like? Um, so my dad's from Yorkshire and I live next to a cricket ground so when you combine the two I didn't really have that much I think I had a bat in my hand when I was about three so yeah I think that's probably how I got involved so a pretty unique journey but for many people it won't be the same sort of thing <laughs> no it won't be on their doorstep <laughs> yeah. no, and how about you how did you find cricket um, I actually used to play like my next door neighbour called Zach and we used to like, live on a cul-de-sac so we used to like, play just together outside and then, like kind of back garden cricket and then I kind of joined a club with him a boys club so yeah it kind of stems through that really I guess and are you hoping that this will be a moment for a lot of other girls to, to find that how you did find their Zach yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> hashtag find your Zach <laughs> definitely because I think you know having like role models in cricket is so important you see you know the big names in men's cricket and play and players like that for England you say the big names in women's cricket as well like Heather Knight and Nat Siver um, but you know it's, it's great to promote kind of domestic players and people who also are play, who are very good players, who are professionals and, and get those names out there as well so people have a lot more role models to look up to. Well, thanks so much, Sophia and Alice, and we can't wait to see the opening game. 
So thank you, as always, for tuning in to another episode of the Women in Sport podcast. Thank you to our sponsors, CSM Live. Thank you to everyone who engages with us on social media, who has also joined for our live podcasts over the last year. We've really enjoyed being able to interact with you, being able to do Q&As and for all your support. As always, please keep your questions coming in to support at womensport.org or on social media. And we hope to hear from you soon.